evening, everyone. Welcome to episode 31 of the Big Fat Sports Podcast. We're back after our 30th anniversary special. We had lots of people talking about lots of different sports up on a forum. But we're back in uh, Jane's living room tonight watching Everton Salford in the English Football League Cup. Another one of James's favourite teams, isn't it, Salford, James? Can't stand them. Bit like PSG, who do you hate more? PSG, 100% PSG. Fair enough. How are you anyway? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not bad. And back for uh, from a very long absence, apart this from being on Zoom. Long. Dave's here, how are you, lad? Fantastic, thank you, Steve-o. Very good to be back in the podcast arena with you two. <laughs> podcast arena. First time for many months. Good stuff, good to have you back. So coming up on tonight's podcast, we'll talk about the return of the Premier League and the English Football League season. Uh, James wants to speak about Gareth Bale in there as well, potentially coming back to the Premier League with Spurs. We'll be talking about Macclesfield. They've been wound up today for, I think, debts totaling half a million pounds. So we'll be talking about that. Um, I want to talk about how and when fans are going to return to grounds. Dave's going to be giving us the latest boxing news. And we'll be touching on our clubs, which are Oldham, Rochdale and Manchester United. And I know James is probably going to have one of his rants about Oldham again, aren't you, pal? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Anyway, uh, first topic then, the football League 2020-21 season got underway with the Premier League and Football League games um, last weekend. Like we said, we're watching the English Football League at the minute, Everton. Is it still 1-0 to Everton against Salford, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're watching that. Um, I think probably one of the biggest results from the start of the season, I watched it with my dad because he's a Leeds fan, now they're missing out in a seven-goal thriller to Liverpool at Anfield 4-3. I think you watched it as well, didn't you, James? What a yeah, game that was. Yeah, it was an absolute cracker, that game, wasn't it? Did you watch it, Dave? Yeah. Um, like I say, Barnsley, I don't think anybody expected a 4-3. You would have got some odds on that, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, um, yeah, there was, it was a bit of a funny old game for Liverpool, wasn't it? Like I felt like there was a bit of level of arrogance about them where, yeah. you know, they were a bit shocked that Leeds kept coming back at them. Yeah. yeah. But I think it were refreshing from Leeds. Like, a lot of teams go to Liverpool and are happy to sit back and just try and catch them on the break but Leeds carried on playing their own game didn't they Yeah, and uh, nearly were rewarded with it I don't. I watched the game I thought it was really good um, obviously a Man United fan so I was like who do I want to win probably Leeds a little bit more for my dad first game back in the Premier League but you were saying before the game James you were probably more excited to watch that than Latics definitely I mean I've been looking forward to watching Leeds back in the Prem for, for months now uh, probably well since they've been promoted, I suppose. But um, they just look a good side, don't they? Just going forward, I mean, defensively a little bit. Well, they had two a little new, bit iffy, but Liverpool had, were just as bad defensively. Yeah, uh, and they've got one of the most. Well, probably is it the most expensive defender? No, that's Harry Maguire, mate. Well, second then. Yeah. Um. Because well, Van Dijk's better than Maguire. Let's put, let's just uh, throw that out there. Um, you what? <laughs> I don't think you get many arguments with that one. He's his second piss. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, yeah, he's miles better. But uh, if, if you offered me swapping Van Dyke for Maguire now, I'd be, yes. Oh, I love yeah. Maguire, but yeah, I'd, I'd do that. I agree with you, Leeds looked a bit shaky, but they had two new centre-halves, because um, obviously Ben White is back at Brighton, and yeah. they couldn't get him. And then obviously the two centre-halves they played at Leeds, one gave away click, a pen. one of them? Well, I think he's... Click? I think it's... Cl- Koch, but my dad calls him Cock. Right. Um, and I, he was calling him a Cock when he gave away that penalty, I tell you. But Yeah, I mean, he didn't have a great game, him, actually, did he? Um, no. But, obviously, you've got to bear in mind they're playing the league champions. Exactly. Um, I think if they maybe buy another centre-half, like you said, going forward, 
I think they can easily stay up. I know um, Sheffield United kind of pissed that last year and Norwich went down with a whimper um, after they came up. But I think Leeds can do, probably not a Sheffield United, but I think they can do a mid-table. It was a good comparison because Liverpool's first game last season was against Norwich who won the league, didn't they? The mm. year before. Norwich gave it a good goal, scored some goals but got beat. Yeah. But then, and obviously this time, Leeds won the league the year before, mm. gave it a good goal and got beat. You just hope that they can scrape the results out, you know, when they have to play Crystal Palace in yeah, February yeah. or whatever. South you know, to get on a bit yeah. of a run. I think they will, mate. So, I, yeah, I hopefully, they will. hopefully they can actually get a run going and be a force in the league. Yeah. I mean, Bielsa's a class oh. manager. Absolutely class. I mean, as a coach especially, he's, he's the things he's done, he's not, he's not changed the players like transfer-wise. He's not brought that many in no, he's brought a since couple he took of- over. But, He's brought a couple in, he's, he? but he's, he's not got yeah, rid of 15 and brought 15 in. He's really improved what, what were there. And, uh, you know, how many years have Liverpool, uh, Liverpool, have Leeds been sort of knocking at the door and just always fell away? Yeah. yeah. And he's he's finally he's finally done it. I mean, he had to do it in his second season, but he did it. Yeah. Um, talking about Liverpool, then, they were a bit shaky at the back. Do you think it's kind of a one-off where most teams will do like what Dave said, sit back and try and make them on the break? Or do you think teams will go, you know what? They're not actually that good at defending. Let's get out and give them a game this season. I think it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? And how you compare it, it's just been a, such a funny the back end of last season. Mm. And there wasn't a significant gap in between the end of the last year and starting again this year, was there? So, Six weeks. And you think how much time has there actually been on the training ground yeah. for him to like drill in the defensive formations and you know a lot of it. Naturally, Liverpool are a forward attacking team, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and they have the ball more often than they don't have the ball, so I think it. I think a lot. You'll probably look into it more than it probably actually is. I think with that Liverpool's defensive performance there against mm. Leeds, I think mm. they'll go. They'll get better as it as it goes on, and they're getting games under the belts, won't they? Yeah. Um, talking about one of the other games that I watched because I I text James on on Saturday saying um, all I've done all day is sit on the sofa and watch football, and he called me lazy, but I'm like you're just jealous because you're at work. Um, but <laughs> Arsenal obliterated Fulham 3-0 um, I don't know what you think obviously it's an easy win for Arsenal Aubameyang signed his contract now what What do you think of Scott Parker's coming after the game saying we're going to lose more games than we win now probably you are because you've not invested £100 million like you did last time you brought one or two players in but played the majority of your team that won promotion via the playoffs I think he's right I don't think they're going to do well I think they'll probably be in the round of relegation area again but you don't come out after your first game back in the Premier League with 37 players to go and say in the media we're going to lose more games because if I was his player that would just demoralise me thinking well why am I going to try for him now because he thinks we're going to lose uh, I, I don't know I think if if he'd have said we're going to lose more games than we don't lose it's a different comment but yeah. you look like they could lose 10 games this season win 9 and draw the rest uh, mm-hmm. I don't know it's, I think they will lose more games than they win for sure they've it's just that like that's the thing as a when you're at the top of the championship you know it's the old debate about how much you have to change your style once you get promoted because yeah. if they go out and try and boss a game they're not going to get possession they're not going to have as many chances as they mm-hmm. did the season before so you have got to be you know dogged and you have got yeah. to change your style a little bit and I suppose that's just being a bit realistic because they probably will lose more than that yeah. they'll win won't they it's just the, 
the nature of the Premier League, really, that mm. I think, isn't it? I agree 100%, but I won't come out and say it after our first defeat. I'd think it, but I wouldn't say it. And well, I suppose playing Arsenal, who were uh, still team. On, a, on a high with Arteta, aren't they? Yeah. And he's getting his team going there, and they've had some good wins, haven't they? Yeah. Mm. But it's like Farker said at the start of... Um, Last season. Oh, well, he said it. He said he made the comment at the end, didn't he? At the end of the season and said... Uh, what what was it he said? He said um, he he told the players it was going to be uh, almost impossible to stay up this season. You tell um, them that they're not going to try. He said, and stay oh, up, I are they? said that at the start of the season, but why why would you say that? You don't, do you? You don't. The other game that I was interested in in Chelsea's beat Brighton three one and didn't play all the new signings because a few were injured, like Atkins, Ife, and Bentio were, and I don't think. Thiago Silva was fit, but we saw uh, Timo Werner and um, what's the other guy called that they bought? The guy Havertz. Guy Havertz, yeah. I, I think they're going to smash it this season, Chelsea. I think they'll do well. They've made some great signings. They've spent a stupid amount of money. Um, but I suppose you've got to now, haven't you, to, to just go that extra. The only, the only thing I think bit. on Chelsea's, <coughs> did they really massively improve on the areas of the squad where they were weak last year like they bought players in midfield and attacking areas but they already had them players anyway really didn't they yeah, like they a big bought... one that there was on about replacing was a goalkeeper and yeah. that would have been a big one wouldn't it well, they're still but... trying to sign that Mendy from Rene aren't they are they yeah and I mean bringing um, when you look at Chelsea's squad depth it is pretty big anyway isn't it mm. but... well yeah, if you take got... into account the, the top players on the home as well players, but last season they proved that giving them a chance will work. Yeah, and a I bit think, disappointing in that sense, isn't it? I, for I me, felt. yeah, for me, you only needed to bring in one or two big names Not like Werner and maybe Kai Havertz and the, and or Werner and a keeper, and and you could have just you know you could have just added to that. Yeah, it's funny bit. really how it'll how it'll work that with with Lampard, like in a sense. Last season was a bit of a, a free hit that he had it. It wasn't. It was a Chelsea yeah. legend mm-hmm. took over in the middle of a transfer ban. Um, but now he's had that window. He's had the, the twelve months to work with his squad and put his impression on it. And now he's sort of got to be standing up to be counted now, anyway. Yeah. He spent an absolute fortune. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't go right, and if they don't win a major trophy, then he'll get sacked. He'll be that's gone. What a yeah. does. Yeah. Whether he's Lampard or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, that's. Probably my main point from the Premier League. The only other one I would say is, um, I don't know if any of you watched Palace's win over Southampton, but Kyle Walker-Peters got sent off uh, and the referee went to the monitor uh, after the guy doing the video assistant referee and said, you may have made the wrong decision, go and check it. He actually went to the screen and changed his decision and they're actually talking about that that's going to happen more this year, I know. So it should, it should have happened since day one, that. I agree, because we brought him line with the rest of the world and FIFA are running how VARs work now. But for me, like you said, James, it should be always been done. So let's hope we're not going to have, or you're not going to have me running on every podcast saying that the referees are being inconsistent. Hopefully the man making the decisions is going to be on the pitch. And if I'm the referee on the pitch and you're the video assistant referee, James, you say to me, Steve, I think you've got that wrong, go and watch it again and I'll still make the wrong decision. It's my fault, not yours. Yeah, exactly. One man should be in charge of the game. Simple as. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, from That's for the Premier League start then, but something that really caught my eye, um, I know they've been beaten by West Brom 3-0 tonight in the English Football League Cup, but 
what a start for Harrogate, the first ever season in the Premier League, and they went and smashed Southend for in the Football League, sorry, and they went and smashed Southend four 0 I mean, Southend and Carlisle look abysmal this season, so I think I think we'll see we'll see how good Harrogate are in in the next few weeks. But you know, for first game in the Football League to win three 0 against four. At four 0 sorry, against a, a club that's been in the football league for for years, uh, that's a cracking result. It is. Cracking result. Yeah, I think it's one of them where they've caught Southender team who are on the downward spiral, aren't they? Yeah. Harrogate are obviously um, got that winning mentality still from promotion last year. Got some good players and a good manager in there, aren't they? Um, but like you say, it'll it'll level out over the season, won't you? You'll you'll see yeah. how, how tough and strong yeah. they are to stay in yeah. the league because them lower leagues are anything can happen most yeah. weeks, can't they? Yeah. Exactly. Any other results in the football league catch your you two guys eyes on the weekend? Not really, to be honest. Um, I haven't really, I haven't really looked at, at the other results. To be honest, I think when I don't know what it's like for you, Dave, but when uh, when Latics lose, I just. Couldn't give a toss about anyone else. <laughs> yeah, I obviously watched the Rochdale game and um, I very quickly lost interest as we were 3-0 down at our, before <laughs> our time. But um, uh, keep my eye out. I basically had a look around to see where all the old players that we've lost, yeah, how they're getting they on. And they all scored. <laughs> Endo scored on his debut for Salford. Camp scored on his debut for Fleetwood. <laughs> uh, Muldoon scored two for Harrogate. <laughs> um, and we struggled but we won the second half won 3-1 so uh, you know you never know do you you never yeah. know um, anyway that's the talk on the start of the season but something else that you wanted to pick up on James was uh, Gareth Bale for 18 million wow could be moving back to Spurs after 7 years at Madrid well that's that's the figure being touted around isn't it what a bargain that is it is a bargain um, but Madrid from their, from their point of view they just want to get his wage off the uh, off the wage bill, don't they? I suppose. Yeah, of course they do. I don't know where eighteen millions come from. I don't know if that's a figure that they paid last season, or I don't know where where they've got eighteen million from. But for a player like Bale, who we all know is world class on his day, um, that's an absolute bargain. It's just if they can get him playing games again. Because he's when was the when was the last time he played say two games in a row? Can't remember. Yeah, it'd be a few seasons ago, won't it? Probably for Wales, to be fair. Um, and I, I know people people will say, "Oh well, he don't even he don't even like playing anymore." See, I don't think that is the case. I think he just doesn't like playing for Real Madrid. No, you know, he's treated he's, by he's Real Madrid, yeah. By by the fans, by the board, by the managers, probably by his teammates, by the media, by the media, yeah, so, who who are absolutely brutal. Over in Madrid, um, yeah. you know, if they don't, if they just don't like or don't take to a player, my God, they, they make sure they know about it, don't they? Especially yeah. when you look at the things that he's actually done for Madrid. He's, he's highlights four Champions for Madrid. And he scored more goals than Ronaldo, or, or nearly as many nah. as Ronaldo, or something in in, the, in the, the amount of years he was at the club. I don't think he's anywhere near that, but he's won four Champions League and a La Liga title. I, I and think, that overhead kick he scored against was it Juve in the final? Liverpool. I weren't talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm talking about the Ronaldo. Oh, Brazilian Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah he, he, scored, he probably has scored about that many goals. Then I'm yeah. sure he scored more than the Ronaldo. He scored more than Zidane, more than Figo. You know, legends of the club. I bet he's not got as many red cards as Sergio Ramos. <laughs> I don't think anyone on planet Earth has as many red cards as Ramos. Um, 
I know I was saying to you before, James, I don't want him at United because um, we've been linked with him because we've already got one idiot at the club in Paul Pogba. But after thinking about it and listening to what you're saying um, since we spoke of this afternoon, I kind of do agree with you. I'm in that position. If you don't want to play, why do you want to be at... Why would I want you at my club? But like yeah. you're saying, he probably just didn't want to play for Madrid. Yeah. And I think he came out over the weekend saying he wants to play games. He's 31. He wants to play. And we've always heard off Madrid and Zidane. We've always heard off his agent. It's actually nice to hear off him to actually say, look, I'm 31. I'm a footballer. I want to play. So, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, once you've retired from football, that you've got, you've got years and years to play golf. He doesn't need to play golf now. He can... He can make a, a bloody good living in football for the next Five, three or years. four years at least, yeah. So whether it's whether it's Tottenham, which it looks like being, or Man United or he won't anyone go else. Because Ed Woodward won't get the deal done because he's fucking <laughs> yeah. I don't think Ed Woodward could sign me. <laughs> You're too expensive, mate. <laughs> I'd ask for minimum wage and he probably probably wouldn't get the deal over the line. He wanna pay in instalments over five years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He won't be able to sign you because you'd waste 10% of your energy just walking between the nets. Like, what a story that was when you were a kid. Um, but yeah, it'd be good to see him back in the Premier League, whether it's at Spurs or, or United. Uh, yeah. Obviously, no disrespect to Southampton. I know he started there, but he ain't going to go back there. Oh, they wouldn't be able to afford his wages, no wouldn't they? I'm surprised Tottenham can. I really am surprised they can. He must be do you not think lowering his demands. Either that or do you not think that they might say, well, we've got a bail, they're after another striker. You might not think that they'll get rid of Kane to to bring him in. I doubt that. I I doubt it. I think um, what Kane to Real Madrid? No, to anywhere. Just sell Kane and bring oh. Bale in. Not to play in his position, but to free up the but money no, to pay him. That's the other thing. Like, what? Who's going to pump up the money that they'd be demanding for Kane mm. in this market? Mm. He'd be after a big, big want, move. They'll they? want 120 million, won't they? And he'd want a significant wage as well, yeah. wherever he goes. Yeah. yeah. But at least he might win trophies where he where he goes. I mean, I've said I've said for the last couple of years, United are stupid not to be going in and doing everything they can to sign him. Bale or Kane or both. Kane. No, I agree. I love he, he's Harry Kane. Exactly what they need. Love I'm Harry not Kane. A fan, me. You don't like Kane. No, you were saying that before. You, know. you don't like him. I just don't think like the modern football where it's all fluid and mobile. Yeah, and he's a bit like Ibrahimovic in a sense. I mean, it slows all, it down. He scores all the goals at Tottenham because he always asks for a ball and just kicks it from anywhere. <laughs> Winds me right up. I'll have a shot from like the corner flag. Yeah, but yeah. He, he can't score in August though, can he? Well, very true. Very true. <laughs> I'd rather have like pacey players who can intertwine with each other. Yeah, but no, no. I'd... I think for the money you'd have to spend on Kane, I don't think I don't think he'd give you the goals that you're demanding. I suppose mm. a bit like Lukaku, isn't it? He he scored he scored goals, but he, he slowed player down so much, yeah. and and Ibrahimovic did the same. He scored yeah, goals, but slowed the player down. It was horrendous. You see where one of the main things they do is hold their arms out when they when they, they lose the ball. Like they never take. What's Lukaku in the Europa League final? Going back a few weeks, obviously, yeah. be like trying to make a pass, and if somebody didn't run onto a pass where he just booted it up, he'd be like whinging at his teammates as if they it's should be fault. thinking what he's doing. He's like demanding the ball all the time. Not for me, that. <laughs> Fair well, enough. I can't. I can't disagree. We'll have to wait and see where Bale goes. Um, anyway, but the the next topic, James, what to talk about? As we said before, Macclesfield are in. That well, they are they in? Were they in the National League after being relegated after that controversy last year, where they reducted points and Stephen has stayed up? You're probably two or no more than me with your teams being in the football league and mine not. 
Um, but they've been had a winding up petition given to today for half a million. What I was reading is some guy that tried to buy Bury has tried to buy it, but his name wasn't mentioned in court and he's not said where he's got this. Um, uh, and, and the owner that's there now said, oh, I've got 1.1 million in a bank. Is a, a screenshot to, to show it. Um, but obviously the judge was saying he can't prove where that money's come from. But it looks like Macclesfield, another local team towards in the northwest alongside Birria, had gone as well. It'll be interesting to see if they actually start the season now. They probably won't, will they? Just another Berry situation, another Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, not the first, and I think in the current climate and situation, it's not going to be the last, not. is it? Definitely not, no. But, I mean, I, I said it to you, and I, I say it every, every time a situation like this happens, you're talking such small amounts of money owed uh, in comparison to the money being spent at the top of the game. Half a million. A, a club founded in something like 1877 or something like that yeah. has been it doesn't exist anymore for one week's wages for Gareth Bale <laughs> yeah yeah outrageous isn't it how how is that being allowed to happen by the FA um, or by the EFL anyone because mm. just someone save the game it's simple they don't care and they should do they don't all they care about is the money machine which is the Premier League and the rest of them they're just, you know, they're just an inconvenience, I think, to the FA. And it's disgusting. I agree. Like um, mm. Dave was saying before, I don't think they'll be the last to go. And if it keeps going on and going on, I think the Huddersfield chairman said a while ago, a lot of clubs will go. And um, I know in our podcast, WhatsApp group, people were saying, you know, I think it was Lee won it, was saying in a few years, they might just be like the Premier League and one of a league. And you, you look around Europe, like what, Spain's got one very good league, second division, that's it. You don't really know, you know, teams in La Liga, C or whatever it is, or Serie A, C or the French third, fourth tier. But in England, if you are on holiday in Spain, I'm sure if you, Dave, wore your Rochdale shirt and James's Oldham shirt, I'm sure people local to that area of Spain, because they're following this football, probably would know who those teams are in the lower leagues. And we've just got such a great four leagues in professional football there's 92 clubs is it in yeah. the football league and premier league combined that are professional yeah. I, I think we've got the best professional football pyramid in the world and situations like macclesfield and bury i hopefully hold them your team doesn't go the same way james but it might do the way that lemsigan's treating your club and people but like you said someone's got to save it because it's so it's so good. Like look look at now we're watching a League Two team Salford against Premier League Everton. Like where else do you do, do you see? They're holding their own as well. It's yeah, they're doing all right. They're still losing. I think it'll be a bigger shock when like a big name really goes. If you look at like in really. like Sunderland still in League One losing all that money. Yeah, surely only a ma- you can't carry on forever losing millions and millions of pounds, no, can they? No, like. What no club's going to be too big to fail, are they? Mm. But it'll be a big day when a big name like that yeah. suddenly can't afford. I mean, Portsmouth when they nearly went. Yeah, they just rely on it being like the last minute and someone coming bailing them out for the history of the like that yeah. club and what it could go on to become. I suppose, don't yeah. they? But yeah. yeah, it's it's might be a mad proposition if you imagine just start dropping like flies and longer like they can't have fans and all the rest of it in mm. there's the income's not going to be there is it for me for these clubs but uh, but millions and millions are still being spent at the top 
I see what you're saying, but I think if Eddie was here, he'd be of the opinion of, and I know where people are coming from, it's a business, you've got to look after yourself, and I understand that, but I'm with you, James. It, it's, it, you know, because, like I was saying before, our football professional pyramid is, is renowned throughout the world. It, it, it's amazing. Those big clubs need to help, the little clubs for me, so these cups, like the FA Cup and the English Football League can continue where Premier T- League teams like West Brom and Everton are playing League 2 teams like Harrogate and Salford tonight. But it's, it's yeah. like where you look at this tonight, where Salford maybe aren't the best example of it because they don't rely, you know, they've got a very rich backing from, yeah, yeah, from Peter Lim and the rest of the, the class of 92 owners that they've got. They don't rely on big games like this, but like if they if there were the fans in the ground here tonight and they're getting um, a cut of a 40,000 Premier League ground cup game sellout, you know, that's the sort of stuff that keeps clubs going. Like when Rochdale last season played United at Old Trafford and Newcastle, Newcastle at home yeah. and all the rest of it. Spurs the season before, won it? That's it. So, obviously, we're on about running your club as a business and like Rochdale are a good example of that where you have to sell players and you haven't got the money then you have to just let people go. Yeah. Um, but then that money doesn't last forever if you haven't got any proper income coming in. No. Mm, I agree. It's like um, you, you were saying, clubs are going to unfortunately go by the wayside and I think big teams it's going to take a, a big fish you know look at League 2 where Oldham are at the minute you've got um, Bolton in there Oldham former Premier League clubs Blackpool Portsmouth Bradford Sunderland in League 1 Bradford yeah League 2 it's going to probably take a big name like that to unfortunately go out of business for the English Football League to actually sit up and go shit we need to do something about this well then I don't, what can you do it's the clubs who are signing people on these contracts isn't it that's a very good question. What do you think, James? Because you're the opinion they should be helped out. How do you think the Football League can help them out? I think Macclesfield. Macclesfield haven't signed anyone. They've obviously not lived within the means to some extent because they've racked up debt. But I, I think with Macclesfield, it's, I know it was bef- before coronavirus, they were in trouble. Uh, but it's just it just takes one shit owner to not run the club properly like like obviously you're lucky at Rochdale you've got an owner that cares about the club cares about the town and you live within your means if you go down you go down and you carry on living within your means and it's run like a business and you're probably one of the safest clubs from administration in the football league um but you it takes it takes a shit owner or a couple of shit owners it's not the club's fault, it's not the fans' fault, and they're the ones that will suffer. Mm. And it, I, I, I just think to let to let a club like Macclesfield exactly the owners go, the the owner it's like you say the history of the club and how long it's been around. The owner is the custodian of the club. They don't yeah. you know the club is the fans and the history mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, it's like we all went like we've been talked about poor ownership in football, and I think we spoke to Tom about Newcastle, and I think they get guy on from Bury as well didn't we many moons ago now mm. but for me the fit and proper person test has, has got to be good enough like oh. if, if, if your business that you're using to fund this football club goes in the shitter what are you going to be able to do to keep this football club going and if you can't give evidence to say well I'll sell the business I'll sell property I'll sell assets then something's got to be put in place to say if it comes a point where I know I can't run the football club and uh, you know, avoid it going in positions like Macclesfield today and Bury previously. Then, yeah, you know. I mean, I think obviously the FA and the EFL 
that test obviously needs to be looked at. But it's a, again, it's a, like you say, where it has to be run as a business. You can't sign something to say that if this fails, then I will sell this to fund this. Yeah, like, I know what you mean. It's just a, and in a way, if the if the test is there and somebody can show they have funds. I suppose it's it's someone's agenda that you're never going to know what their what their plan is for a club. Yeah. But if somebody is there and has the money to take over it, it's like if you look at if you a bit of an extreme example, if you look at Liverpool now, like Fenway Sports Group, they don't pump a load of money into Liverpool, do they? Like they they rely on transfers. Yeah. To buy players in, and commercial revenue, they're not like. They don't have money. Yeah, they're not pumping into them a lot from their owners their own. like, yeah, like yeah. Abramovich does at Chelsea. at Chelsea. So what's to say? You know, it's like an extreme. Maybe it's a bit of a poor example. It worked in my head, but <laughs> you know, what I, I mean, like it's a bit of a, it's like that, but a bit of a greater scale. Yeah, like the the old, the league can't force the owner of a club to spend money, can they? No. But obviously, I suppose. It, I don't maybe I don't know enough about it in terms of what you have to sign up for to say how you will pay debts or pay players like like it's like you can't fault the club and the players for taking the money that's being offered to them yeah when that it's just, they don't know that the like the Bury example they don't know that the the man who owns it hasn't got that money mm. do they yeah. do you know what I mean? if that makes any sense what yeah. I'm trying to explain yeah I suppose maybe. it's down to that man himself as or that the owner to prove that they have the funds mm. yeah so maybe, that it's there maybe not saying like you said before Dave it's hard to say oh if things go wrong I'll do this but you know the football league should know if someone buying a club has got the money there should be proof of, of funds for them to run the football club if they're going to buy it I think when when you buy a football club I think you should have to put down a set amount as a gift to the club, I know it's like a holding bond. Yeah, that'd be an exactly. That'd be a better thing, wouldn't it? Exactly. I'll Where look. you can guarantee to pay the current wage structure that you are on for the con- length of contract. Say you've got like a squad of twenty players on a three-year contract. That money's there in a bank account that can't be touched. That is there for pen- paying players. Mm, that's yeah, idea, that's um, that would work, wouldn't or, it? Or something like or an, an amount like a bond. So if you know if things go to the wall that money is there to pay you know to, to pay keep, any creditors to keep, that yeah. to keep them going so until they you can sell the club mm. um you know and and that that's another way i suppose of doing it obviously it's not going to be as easy as as i've just made out but you know there's got to be ways of uh yeah because i mean uh, at the moment I, the future. I imagine if you could buy a club if you've got a certain amount of money and then like try and do it off you know, living month to month, couldn't you? Like, mm. wheeler dealing off this business to that business to fund yeah. your football club. Yeah. There's nothing to stop you doing that, is there? But, and it might be a success, you never know, do you? But then as soon as something goes wrong and you haven't got the funds behind you, then that's yeah. where things start getting a bit tricky then, isn't that's it? That's it. Who's putting her hand up to write that email plus letter to the AFL with that idea then? <laughs> I think probably smarter people than us probably come <laughs> over. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Flesh on the bones of that idea, I think. <laughs> Just really quickly though, before we move on, I think um, obviously for clubs to be racking up debt at at such a low level, when really outgoings aren't that that big, um, obviously players' wages at the lower league level are obviously too high. Um, There's a cap this year, though, wouldn't they? In League One and Two, and rightly so. 
but it, it's because the gap from the top two leagues, like the gap between the Championship and League One, is far too big. Yeah. So you've got players coming down from the Championship that can't catch a game in the Championship, but are still on ten, fifteen grand. Yeah. And League One clubs are wanting to sign these players and having to pay out six, seven, eight grand a week to pay for them. But there's no. As a as a lower league club, you, your income is your your attendances. But that'll be you don't get TV account. money. You don't. You, I suppose you don't yeah. The anything. other outgoing is that it's if you don't own your own ground, I suppose, and you've got to pay rent to like yeah. a council or something. If they yeah. own the ground, it, it's all that sort of stuff in it, I suppose. And well, just basics of like so I can turn the lights on, really, and it's like yeah. electricity yeah. bill and all the rest exactly. of it. The thing is, though, with this new salary cap, is if I'm on fifteen grand a week, at, I don't know a team that gets relegated from the championship. I know I'm not going to play there next season and Rochdale and Lee won't get me or want me and I want to play football as a footballer. Yeah, I'd want the similar amount that I'm on. But if it wasn't about the money and I really, really wanted to play football, you'd have to be in line with the salary cuts. So hopefully that'll sort it out this year. But the only my only fear is there. Football's a short career. You've got to earn your money while you can. So they'll People just go and sit around. on the bench in the yeah, championship. Exactly. No, they might just sit on the bench at that League One club because they know they're on that money anyway or if 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 you're on 15 grand but a, a championship club that just get promoted going will give you an extra grand you might play a couple of games but sit on the bench you're probably going to do it aren't you yeah of course you are anyway it's sad news about Macclesfield and hopefully like Bury did they'll raise a Phoenix club and there'll be a team in the town again and um, they can start at non-league level and, and build their way up but um, well, I want to talk about fans returning into grounds because obviously the government announced this week that you're only allowed to meet six people from six different households. But then I read an article on BBC Sport yesterday talking about how Oliver Dowd and the digital media, culture, sports secretary and obviously the Premier League football league want fans back in the ground. Yeah. But they've capped it at a thousand now. I know in Premier League grounds, you know, the sixty, seventy odd thousand, forty, fifty thousand seater stadiums, um, and you can spread a thousand people out a piece of piss in there. Um, but when you go into grounds like Boundary Park and, and Spotland, I don't know how big your grounds are, but it's going to be tighter. So I, I can't meet... I can meet five of my other friends because I'm the sixth person, but I can't meet six of them because I'm the seventh. Mm. But I can potentially go to a national ground or a League Two, League One ground that's smaller and be in there with... 999 other fans plus staff players that I, I don't even know. I just, I don't know if it's me not getting it, but... Yeah, a lot of it's on, it. it's set on, um, on like, little bubbles. That's mm. what it is at Rochdale anyway. So we've renewed our season ticket um, and you can only sit with two other people. In uh, your bubble? Yeah, and then there's a gap of like, probably two metres, won't it? Two metre area, two metre radius another three people, a two metre radius, another three people. Mm. So um, so we've moved, we didn't get our original, you know, our proper season ticket seats. Um, we're in a different stand. And they were saying that we're going, the first game back would be the Fleetwood game at the start of October. But I've not heard anything different as whether that's changing from these other yeah. recent announcements. But definitely strange. I mean, obviously, Spotland's rarely a sellout anyway. <laughs> like, you know, average of two and a half thousand um, most seasons. So it probably will. Obviously, we won't even be able to have that. I think is it. I, I thought it was a percentage of 
the now capacity of the ground or something. It but, was that. Now they've changed right. it to a thousand, don't they? Right. So I don't know if that affects anything then. Yeah. So it'll be initially a thousand, won't it? And if yeah. it, if that works, they'll probably they'll build it up again. Yeah. Because I think that'd work at Old Trafford. I know Old Trafford's a massive ground, and you can have seventy-four thousand probably disappointed fans. I'd be disappointed if I wasn't in the thousand. But I know I'm not going to be because gold members are going to get it before me, and that's understandable. But I've renewed my ticket. I go on my own. But like James said, hopefully when they start to build it up, it'll be, okay, Mr. Hewitt, you're on your own. Even if they said to me, for the foreseeable future, you're going to sit in the north stand, south stand, you know, closer to the pitch, further away, blah, 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 I'd, I'd do it just to get in there because I miss going to the game, the atmosphere, walking yeah. to and from the ground, in in the ground. I don't know if I've mentioned it on a another podcast, but when we played Barcelona a couple of years ago, PSG in the Champions League, like they they were the atmosphere I remember going to Old Trafford as a kid mm-hmm. in the late nineties, early two thousands under Fergie, and we were we were smashing it. Um, and I really want to get that back. And I know you don't can't go to every old game, James, but I'm sure if you can this season, you you, you want to try and get to one at least, don't you? Oh yeah, as many as I can. I mean, hopefully that will change soon. But um, yeah, while I work on Saturdays, I just have to. Uh, after logging on iFollow and, and watch it on that, yeah. But ten ten pound a game is a bit. David said that before. It. For, for the quality of it, for one one camera angle. Yeah, I mugged my dad off that on the start of the season. <laughs> yeah. I thought that. Um, so the, when we renewed our Rochdale tickets, they said that you get the iFollow um, for the games you can't be in the ground to. Yeah. But turns out that that's only the home games. So I was so I rung my dad. I said, "Are you watching um, Dale on the iPhone this afternoon?" He's like, "Yeah, we can do it." I thought that we got it for free, but as we were logging ten in, he's asking for. I thought a tenner. Yeah, you can get like BT or Sky Sports for a month for and a tenner. The, and the bloody commentary is about five seconds behind the picture. <laughs> it's awful. What a shocking service. I don't know what. And it doesn't log on your telly. We couldn't log it on through that. Couldn't watch it on a laptop because it wasn't accepting that. I had to clear all my data and all the rest of it off that. So all we ended up watching it was an iPad. Oh, <laughs> like, shite, it? Squinting me eyes to watch see what was happening. <laughs> you, you, we, what we do um, to get it on telly, we put a, we've got a Chromecast in the back of it. Oh yeah. And then you can just cast it to the Chromecast. Yeah. And that so. being funny, I'd never watched it, Dale. But um, Roy's not worth a tenner at all, is he, Paul? Oh, he's the worst commentator ever. <laughs> all he does is interrupt. Uh, interrupt. <laughs> you, what are you saying now? <laughs> like that. And then the one of the commentators will be, will be talking, saying something really like intellectual or something really, Poignant. you know, about the game, and he'll just go, "Yep." Yeah, literally, like Audible score like a yep. twenty-five yard screamer. Danny Rose scores an absolute screamer right at Roy. Yep. Good call that one, Pip. Yeah, I can see that. He's I can awful. see that, Roy. Um, but finally, on fans returning to grounds, we were saying in our. Uh, podcast whatsapp again uh john's the mosley fan you can go to games at that level they've capped it at 400 i think they played St. Alan's town and beat them three or four nil in the preliminary round of the fa cup and they're playing us at united in the league on saturday and a few of us are on about going but he was like get there early because it was a big crowd last week we capped at 400 so mm. sure there'll be a game at r12 might try and get down there watch that game and then be in the ground and, and watch it so doesn't matter where you are. If you're in the northwest, go to Mosley, go to a game. But anywhere else you're listening throughout England, fight if you want to watch a game of football. Find your non-league team. Find out 
when they're playing at home, find out what the capacity is, the maximum capacity, and get down there to one, support your local team, and two, actually watch a bit of live football. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, so, our penultimate topic this week then is uh, boxing. Uh, Dave's here to tell us about that. I've not really read much boxing news recently, but um, I did watch a couple of the fights um, in that match room, Eddie Hearn's back garden. What did you uh, What did you make of that then, Dave? Boxing yeah, but, uh, in the garden. Um, I thought that fight camp series was was brilliant. I thought the matchups that they had on there were were some real good fights, um, and the production. I mean, I was listening to interviews where they spent some money, obviously, match room. Um, as a business, I think they will have, will have cost them a fair bit of money. Um, I was look, I think basically they were saying that it got saved financially for them for the success of the pay per view event that they had Dylan White versus Alexander Povetkin as the final one, which sort of paid for the rest of it. But if that if that had bombed on pay per view, then they would have done like a million pound on it, you know. But um, I thought the production levels and everything that the way they brought it back, it sort of did have that big time boxing feel. Um, and like I say, the matchups were some brilliant fights on there. The highlight for me was a uh, wasn't one of the main events, but a Manchester fighter when uh, Zelfa Barrett for Eric Donovan, um, a real good fight where I thought it it sort of prompted these fighters to take fights that they probably would have took two or three fights down the line ordinarily that maybe would have been seen as a risky fight, mm. but because of the situation where they need to get out and have a fight, yeah. Yeah. you know, they were left with no choice and they had to take it. And um, that was a good example where Eric Donovan stepped up to f- take the title fight against Barrett and was doing really well. He was a, an Olympic um, representative for Ireland. Right. Um, and this was like his first big uh, step up as a pro. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the odds were it was Barrett's first fight with Matchroom and it was more stacked in his favour. Like you would before the fight, you were expecting him to win. Yeah. But Donovan gave the performance of his life. He was boxing out of his skin, and um, I don't know if you've seen the knockout itself, but Barrett catching with some absolute monster left hooks, and um, just like the drama of having no crowd there. Mm. Um, I mean, when I've been to watch boxing in like the small old shows where you're getting like there's like 250 to 500 people there. You don't realise like how much of a racket they actually make. Yeah, yeah. But when you sat watching it and you can hear every single shot. So was, the was there no crowd noise? Like no, all, all, you, all you could hear was um, literally the corner team. You know, right. saying, yeah, it's good jab. You know, I put it on him and all that sort of stuff. And literally, so I, bet, I bet it feel like a like a, a sparring session. Then. Yeah, for the fighters, it would do, wouldn't it? But it was, um, yeah, pretty pretty intense. Um, obviously, the final one, they couldn't have really got a much more dramatic. Uh, final one with Dylan White versus oh, Povetkin and the yeah. knockout was absolutely unbelievable mm-hmm. which yeah. was yeah the main the first thing like because that's been announced um, that that rematch has been signed now right. for really? uh, why, November why is Povetkin going to fight him again like what's... well there was a rematch clause within the contract anyway fair enough um, but what I'm trying and... to get is what, what are they both going to get out of it well I suppose it's the biggest fight out there for both both men really it's the biggest payday that they're going to get the, yeah. all the belts are tied up um, so it, it makes the most sense um, for them to box each other. It's just a pretty major risk, really, for Dylan White, as if like he if goes he loses from, again. Yeah, he loses again. If he goes, if he loses again, it's like where does he go now? He goes right by, back to the drawing board, and he'll always be a big name, and he'll still get them fights and opportunities. But he's just got to go all the way back to the beginning, basically, then to yeah. try and get that title hunt. But yeah, it's interesting how quickly he stepped up there because it was a bad knockout. He was he was yeah. gone clean out on yeah. the floor. And this fight will only be like 
I think it'll be like 16 weeks after the first, one. The first fight, they're getting the rematch on. So, so that will still be fresh in everyone's mind. Yeah, and... I mean, I know he didn't, he didn't take a sustained beating. Um, yeah. So freshness-wise, he should be okay. But um, I don't... There's a lot of uh, like protocols and like a lot of calls these days about you know brain injuries and combat sports. So obviously he will have had these mandatory um, health checks and everything like that yeah. and brain scans. But you know you think is that enough time for him to recover after that bad knockout and yeah. what's his mindset? But yeah, it's a it's an intriguing fight because like White was was controlling the fight with his jab and looking absolutely... Fourth but, or fifth round gets knocked out. Yeah, yeah, he had Povetkin down twice. Povetkin was looking the old, tired fighter, you know, and then just rolled back the years and landed a shot from that would knock any man out, I think. Um, so I suppose it's like catch-22. Will Povetkin just go and put it on him? Will Will White try and put it on him? Will it, you know, like the intrigue for the what-ifs yeah. of the, that fight yeah. are, uh, are, pretty, are pretty interesting. Do you think if White loses, I know you said it's back to the drawing board, but if he loses twice within four months, 16 weeks of the same guy, because obviously he was saying if he wins that, he's going to get a title shot, one of Joshua's belts. Do you not think his career's over if he loses this one? No, I mean, he will have only lost to one man, who Povetkin has only been beat by Vladimir Klitschko and Anthony Joshua. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's fought the best of his era and... He, Olympic gold medalist you only have to look at his highlight reel and see the guys he's boxed to know how old is he Povetkin's getting on like 33 34 is he how old White I might, I might have got that wrong actually. I think Povetkin's probably older than that White's no. 30 yeah White, White's like 32 I think Povetkin's pushing 40 now yeah so, that's right yeah White Povetkin sorry he's 40 yeah um, so near the end of his career um, but, but do you think if White if White loses, obviously his career is not over. But do you think he'll get a title shot? Do you think he'll be able to claw his way back? Yeah, I mean it'd be a long road back and a tough road back. He'd have to take these tough, hard fights that he's been renowned for taking over the last couple of years. Um, but he's still a big name. He'll still be getting them opportunities. But I suppose he'd have to drop down to a certain level and then just be on the you know climbing the ladder of the rankings, taking tough fights against people you more than likely probably wouldn't want to be boxing if you mm. if you had the choice and you know you were the star attraction but it definitely wouldn't be the end for him if he got beat again it'd just be a bit of a major setback of his of his like you know at the moment you be prior to the Povetkin fight you'd have him in your top five heavyweights you know you'd have to reassess that and he'd have to sort of go again from scratch really and it'd be how much desire he has once he's made he's made a good few quid out of the game it'd just yeah. be what he had left in his desire to get that title shot yeah. I suppose yeah, and and it wasn't some guy from Oldham fighting on BT Sport every night. Yeah, so um, the previous uh, weekend was another Queensbury show at BT Studios, um, where Oldham boxer Mark Heffron was fighting uh, Denzel Bentley. Um, it was a draw over ten rounds, eliminated for the British title. Um, and the biggest thing from that I took from that was like a fighter's activity or inactivity, if anything. Um, Heffron took the fight on pretty short notice and um, he's only had one fight in 2020 where it was just sort of like um, getting the rust off when he fought in, I think it was in February at Oldham Leisure Centre and he blasted a guy out in less than a round um, so then after all this lockdown stuff he's sort of it's sort of how sharp he was or how like you know how much sparring he's had done it will have been a lot of arresting you know he will have had fitness but it's sort of like yeah. match sharpness compared to Bentley who had a fight 
mm-hmm. um, on a previous BT show seven weeks ago against Mick Hall, who pretty decent level. Um, he's box like you know he's like English title level, fringe yeah. British title level. Um, and it was a good points win for Bentley there, where he boxed well and he will have got his eye in and got his timing and everything. Um, so it's an interesting one because if you looked on the fight, you know, if you just looked at it like maybe last year or something, then Heffern would have been a heavy favourite. Um, but then due to the inactivity, so I, I think it probably like evened it out a bit. Really, the fight itself, uh, it was a classic Heffron as the as the boxer fighter, you know putting the pressure on and looking to land the big shots whereas Bentley was more like the back foot boxer really um, looking to land his jab and get away from there and then sort of box on the back foot and just keep his distance and quite happy to go the, the 10 round points decision but um, yeah it was a, it was a close fight and uh, like again with a lot of boxing it's sort of what you like really in terms of the quality or what you're looking for whether it's aggression or yeah. point scoring and boxing mm-hmm. where basically the biggest thing that influenced the, the decision and the scoring was Heffron getting put down in the second round. He got sort of got caught sort got caught square, a bit cold and he got put down with a left hand counter. Like he wasn't hurt but, you know, jumped straight back up but then obviously he's always then chasing the fight. Mm. Um so to claw it back to a, a draw, all three judges had it ninety five, ninety five. Yeah. You know, technically once you add up the scorecards of the way boxing scored, he will have won more rounds than Bentley won. But obviously with him losing one round ten eight it was always sort of like a big ask for him mm. to yeah, yeah. to get the decision yeah. in that sense. But I know he felt pretty aggrieved and he was uh, pretty gutted that he, he didn't win the fight because um, obviously technically he won more rounds than he lost. But yeah. I suppose that's, that's the game, isn't it? Like, um, him, yeah. But, I don't, you know, it's a good 10 rounds in the bank. Got good exposure on BT. They'll have the rematch. So it's definitely, um, you know, it's not all's lost for him in terms of in that sense. Hmm. You said it was British type or British uh, level. What what weight division is he in? Sorry, uh, middleweight. So that was eliminated for the British title, um, and it's definitely a level that he he couldn't get to and probably move on from there. But uh, obviously, a lot of it's like the activity that you have in boxing is, is quite an interesting one. Where you see a guy who fights regularly and um, is sharp and stays in the gym, compared to you know a guy who'll be coming off, you know, like say, quite a bit of inactivity. And mm. from fighting these guys who we can just blast out in a round, yeah. it's, you know, it's how much uh, match sharpness you have in that sense. Um, so the rematch for that one will be a really interesting contest because I think obviously Heffron will be, um, obviously they'll both be banged up for it and thinking that they will have won the last fight. So it'll be a good a good contest again. But uh, yeah, hopefully Heffron can um, go out because once you, once you look at the styles, like the most, the man who was actually pressing the action and the the best man to watch you know, for like a fan, would was Heffron, who's actually yeah. trying to make the fight and land the big shots, and uh, he just couldn't quite pin him down, really. But it was an interesting fight and a good good uh, contest for both guys. Yeah. Uh, final one on boxing for me, then, obviously, Eddie Hearn, BT Sport, have been putting boxing on behind closed doors without fans, and Eddie Hearn was saying, needed this to save boxing. Do you think without it, boxing would have gone by the wayside, or what? Um, It's an interesting one, really, that, when you think about it. It's a sport where there's always going to be the big fights and where the big fights is big money. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at like the heavyweight division or the glamour ties that of the, of matchups that you can make, there'll always be the demand for them. Um, I think the thing where it will be struggling, it's a bit like where we touched on with the football, really like the premier league of boxing, essentially where you've got like the match room sky shows and the Queensbury BT shows, like 
they'll still be there putting on decent level fights. It's like the sports hall events. Yeah, but it's like it's the the grassroots and the yeah. you know the the small old shows which will really struggle. Yeah, um, where they're re- absolutely relying on the small ticket sales that they make um, to fund the shows. Like a lot of times, the home fighter often has to pay his opponent out of his own purse, Jeez. like in his ticket sales, to, to even mental. just get a fight on. Like yeah. he, you know, if you if people who in the wider audience really understood like what it goes to to put a boxing show on, he like you make like most of the time you you interviews with like Steve Wood, VIP promotion, who's like probably the biggest like small old promoter in the northwest. Like most of the time they don't make money on them shows. Like he makes his money by managing like fighters like Josh Warrington who go on to appear on the big sky shows yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's uh, like the conveyor belt of boxing, like it's a it's a minefield of a of a game but like the ones that'll really struggle and suffer are then small all shows. Uh, yeah, and I suppose like the fighters, it'd be interesting. Fighters will have to take harder fights sooner, really. Um, so it's like the development then of fighters who mm. it's like sink or swim. But yeah, I mean, Matchroom are that much of a global business, and they're like they've obviously got a lot of backing behind them with Sky and everything. Yeah, the big fights will still always be there, won't they? It's just sort of what level yeah. it's at. Yeah, fair news. Um, Obviously, we were going to talk about our clubs, but we've not had a bit of time, so good luck to Oldham, Roxdale and United in their uh, fixtures this weekend. Um, but as we always say when we finish the show, hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Big Fat Sports Podcast, and leave us a message. Get interactive with us when we post things. Give us a direct message if you want a T-shirt, hoodie, soft shell, or any merchandise, and uh, where can people listen, James? You can catch us on our website, www bigfatsportspodcast.com get us on iTunes on SoundCloud like Stephen said get interacting with us on Twitter we're quite quite active on Twitter we don't really do much on Facebook anymore yeah. do we but uh, yeah we're active on Twitter there's always a poll or two to get involved in and yeah just get involved get involved really get involved anyway thanks for coming back there last time we saw you was on Zoom so it's Nice to have you with us in person again back on the podcast, mate. Thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed my uh, return. We have as well. I'm sure you'll be back to tell us about more boxing and other sports later on in the year. So thanks for listening to episode 31, guys, and we'll see you soon.